Good morning, church family. How we doing? Good. I hope you guys had a good spring break. How many of you guys got out of town for spring break? How many of you went to the beach? Beachgoers? Okay. Who went to the mountains? Anybody go to the mountains? Who just left Cabot somehow? Just anywhere outside of Cabot? Okay. All right. Uh, we had a good spring break. We went down to Dallas, and I will say that after being in Dallas for a week, I am so thankful to live in Cabot, Arkansas. My goodness. Woo! I won't get into all the reasons why, but yeah. Uh, anybody that has small kids like us, we love spring break. It also makes us really love and appreciate our schools as well. Amen. Yeah. Okay. A couple parents in here. Uh, how about those hogs? I got a, a little shout out to the hogs. Somebody asked me if I would call the hogs during one of the services. Nope. I ain't gonna do. It. I just can't get past the spirit finger thing. I just. I wish y'all would have come up with just a slightly more manly, masculine way to cheer on our team. That, that just, that, I just can't, I can't, it's hard. I just can't do that. I just, I've done it maybe once. And as soon as I did, I was like, ah, ah. We all can be praying for our pastors uh, from Louisiana because their team didn't even make it into the championship at all. And, and, but one of our pastors, Pastor Bobby, he actually graduated from ORU. And so he was pulling hard for them. And I will say that's, that team was not seated correctly because they are way better than I think we realized. But, but uh, so you can be praying for him because uh, they got beat. And, and, but I was actually, you know, ORU is actually, it's, it's a, like a spirit-filled, charismatic college. Like they're, they're a really strong Christian university. But because they're more of a charismatic like, I, I could just guarantee you that the reason why teams are having a hard time against them is because every time somebody would come up against, they'd be praying in tongues the whole time during the game. And, and I'm sure our guys are like, what in the world's going on? Like, it would throw you off your game if somebody started screaming in tongues at you when you're playing them. But, uh, but anyway, I, I am happy for our team, happy for our state. Uh, and, and the Diamond Hogs are playing pretty good too, by the way. Uh, if you have a chance to watch them. But uh, we're not here to talk sports. If you did, I don't know if you realize that or not. Today we're going to take communion. And I, I love taking communion as a church. Uh, I will say this is in Jesus' name, the last time uh, that the, for the foreseeable future that we're gonna take communion with these self-serve communion things. This is not necessarily the way I would prefer to do it. Uh, I, I like it when we can come up and receive the elements at the front of the room and, and all that. And uh, thank God he's, he's moving us beyond this virus. And I think very soon we're gonna be able to go back to, to doing communion like we've done in the past. But I wanna talk about communion. I, I, I think it's, uh, there's this cool correlation between our understanding of communion, the Lord's Supper, and, and Old Testament, and Old Testament scripture. And so I, I wanna talk about the importance, but the power of communion and everything that it symbolizes for us today. And I wanna start by reading the 23rd Psalm. Like probably everybody, whether you grew up in church or not, you're familiar with this Psalm. But it's really cool because the, Lord, uh, the, the Lord's Supper, communion, it actually is talked about, it talks about the Passover, but it prophetically is speaking about the Lord's Supper, even in this scripture. And so I wanna do something a little different that we don't normally do. Some of you raised in church where you did this, but I want us to stand together as we read this 23rd Psalm together. How many of y'all know that the word of God is sacred? How many of you know it's the ultimate authority in our lives? And I, I think that, I, I don't think that we dishonor his word, but I think it's important from time to time that we just recognize like, hey, this, without the word of God, how many of y'all know we'd be in trouble? Uh, we'd be in a lot of trouble. And so I just wanna honor his word this morning as we read the 23rd Psalm together. 
Let's start this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for that. You may be seated. Man, that was good. We're going to do that more often. I, some of y'all needed to declare that over your life this morning. I could feel the Holy Spirit on that a little bit. But there's, there's a lot in there, and there's multiple sermons you could preach about the 23rd Psalm. But, but I, I love uh, how it talks about him as a good shepherd and how he makes us lay down in green pastures. How many of y'all know, because of our culture and the way we're wired, sometimes he has to make us lay down take a chill pill, rest. I think we've been in a season where some of us have realized that, and we've seen that. Uh, but it goes on to talk about he prepares a table before me, but the rest of that like don't make a lot of sense. Like in the presence of my enemies, like that's not the best place probably to have dinner like with all your, your enemies. But, but what it's talking about is when you understand the presence of God being with you, you're not shaken by anything that's going on around you. You have confidence that even if your greatest enemy is sitting just a couple seats down from you, eating a meal with you, you have all the confidence and joy and peace in the world because you know God has you. I love that. It talks about the cup, our cup overflowing. Well, anytime it talks about a cup or it talks about wine, it's talking about anointing. It's talking about God's power and his presence. And so obviously in the Lord's Supper, there's a cup that's represented. In the Passover, there's a cup that's represented. But this is saying, in your presence, I don't get just enough. I get more than enough. You overfill me with your presence, your anointing, and your power. I love that. I think there's a lot of similarities between the Old Testament Passover meal and the New Testament, Lord's Supper or Lord's Table, and then our connection to that through communion, what we're gonna do today. In fact, it was the Passover day, the day of the Passover, when Jesus served the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, when he talked to his disciples and helped them understand exactly what those elements actually meant. God talked about the Passover in the Old Testament and this was something that he set up when they were being set free from captivity in Egypt. And he gave them this instructions about this meal. And he said, look, this is how you're gonna prepare it. There's gonna be a spotless lamb that you're gonna take. And that's a part of the meal that's gonna be sacrificed. I would imagine that there was a part of who they were at that point was just like, okay, this is a little weird, but all right, we'll be obedient. But what we understand is, man, this is all the setup and a foreshadowing of the perfect lamb, Jesus. And everything that was happening around that Passover meal, it was pointing forward towards the Messiah, towards Jesus and the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of that covenant. He taught them that when they would eat this meal, when they would observe the Passover, that it would bring deliverance 
and healing. And we know because of the perfect lamb, Jesus, we experience freedom and deliverance and healing. Miracles would happen during the Passover meal, like historically documented. When the Passover meal would take place, miracles would happen around that. There's some other similarities. It talks about the Lord being my shepherd, like the good shepherd. We know that without God, without the Lord as our good shepherd, we don't experience communion. It talks about how the shepherd is so close to his sheep, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So they know where to be and how to gather around him. And this is talking about God's desire, like, hey, I wanna take care of you. I wanna be the good shepherd. But the encouraging thing is, he's not just the good shepherd to the sheep that behave themselves. Like he's a good shepherd to even the sheep that are a bunch of knotheads. Any knothead sheep out there? Don't make me point you out. Even the ones that wander off, he has this desire to draw us in close to who he is. Just like the pastor, we know that God by his spirit moved from the mountain down to his people, the Israelites, so that his presence could be experienced by everyone that was there. And the Lord's Supper, this table, communion, man, it is symbolically a way that brings us closer to the presence of God. God shows up for us. There's been so many times I've had people tell me, like even just through communion, just like how they felt the presence of God, maybe a little more powerful during that than, than other times. And I think some of it's because there's not very many things in our faith where there is a physical, tangible, touchable representation of who God Christ is and our relationship with him. And I think sometimes when there is that physical, tangible, touchable thing, it helps release faith in us to like, yeah, I can be close to God. God wants to be close to me. So I wanna talk about a few things that we can learn about the Lord's Supper, the Passover, and how it connects and reminds us of communion. First of all, when he talked about the Passover, he said he asked for them to eat all of it and not just some of it. So in the book of Exodus, when God was giving these instructions for the Passover, through Moses, he asked them to eat all of this prepared meal. He's very intentional, a lot of details about how to prepare this meal, but he, he was very specific. He said, I want you to have all of it. I don't want anything to be wasted. Everything has to be consumed. And I love that, that symbolism for us because when it comes to communion, it helps remind us that God doesn't want to just have a partial relationship with us. God wants to be everything in our lives. And I think what communion helps remind us is, is God's not interested in us just having a relationship with Jesus as a savior apart from Jesus being our Lord. And we talked about this recently, but I think sometimes what happens is we love this idea of Jesus as our savior. Like, yeah, man, Jesus saved me from my sin. But I think in some cases, it means that people justify a lot of different ways that they live and even lifestyles that they live that are contrary to his word because they have forgotten about the lordship of Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, we don't get to experience Jesus as the savior without the lordship of who he is first. And so communion reminds us, God wants to be everything in our lives. He doesn't wanna just 
be the things that are convenient when we want to feel good or when we like it. He wants to be over everything. He wants us to consume everything that he is. It's not called the Savior's Supper. It's called the Lord's Supper. There's a lordship element that's so important for us to remember and realize when we take communion. The truth is the word Savior is mentioned 12 times in the word of God. The word Lord is mentioned over 400 times. The emphasis is definitely on God being everything, including our Savior in every one of our lives. So when we take communion, it's us saying, God, I want everything that you have. God, I love the open doors that you have in my life, but I'm thankful for the closed doors too. I'm thankful for when you say yes, but I'm gonna be equally thankful for the times you say no because you're protecting me and you're loving me. When I come at your table, I'm gonna recognize because of the lordship of who you are in my life that at your table, I find deliverance. At your table, I find freedom. At your table, I find resurrection for my marriage, for relationship with my kids. At your table, every addiction can be broken and I can be set free from everything that tries to hold me back and hold me down. At your table, because you're Lord, there's fullness of life and joy because of who you are. He also said for us to share it. Jesus said, I want my house to be full. How many of y'all remember the, the audio adrenaline song, A Big, Big House? Come on, I'm dating myself a little bit, but come on, warm up. don't leave me hanging, okay? But it was like a cheesy song. We talked about how big God's house was with a big, big table with lots and lots of food. This is the awesome thing. One day in heaven, there's gonna be a banquet table we all gonna sit at. And there's gonna be the, the, a spread of food that you could never even imagine. And we will be able to eat without getting full and we will be able to eat without the consequence of carbs, without the consequence of calories, without the consequence of sugar in Jesus' name. And it's gonna be amazing. But the truth is this, the same fulfillment that we're going to experience in heaven is available to us now. In his presence, you can be full. But the truth is this, it's not given just to you. It's meant to be shared. Because in the original instruction around the Passover, he did say, eat it all, don't waste a thing. But he also said, share it. Share it, because the truth is, you probably won't be able to eat all of it. And remember back then, they didn't have refrigeration. So if they were gonna be obedient to eating all of it, they also had to be obedient in sharing it if they weren't gonna waste anything. But if they didn't share it because of the abundance that God had given them, if they didn't share it, eventually it would rot and it would stink. The last thing we ever wanna become as a church is a church where we get more than we could ever hope for, imagine, or dream of in the presence of God but then enjoy our four walls, enjoy our little church club and never get outside of this place and make sure that we're inviting other people to come and sup with us. Come and experience all that God has for you as well. Because if we get to that place as a church, we gonna stink, we're gonna rot. Because the truth is what God gave us wasn't intended just for us. It was intended for the people that are outside of these four walls. And so we talked about Easter's coming, resurrection is coming, 
and I'm glad we're gonna celebrate it. But do you know what'll help you celebrate it infinitely more? If you get to see it transform and change somebody else's life. You don't know anything about our church until you've invited somebody and saw them out of the corner of, their, of your eye, raise their hand and make a commitment towards Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you wanna know what we're about as a church, we're about you, but we're about the next person sitting next to you that's not there yet. That's who we are as a church. And so we have to be about not just getting filled up, but how are we gonna share what Jesus has given us? For that next person, for that next soul, he asked us to share it. Last year, before the pandemic hit, they did, hit, they did this big study. They surveyed a ton of people. It was over 1,000. And in surveying them, 70% of them said that they would come to church as somebody would have just invited them. 70%. Those are pretty strong odds. So I'm just asking you, if you've experienced the fullness of Jesus in his presence, please help us share it. Invite somebody. Invite somebody. It could change their life forever. He also wants us to be joyful and thankful. You know, in the early church, when they would celebrate the Lord's Supper, it was a huge party. Like they would really celebrate. In, in fact, Paul had to address it with some of the churches because they were celebrating a little too much. There's a little too much wine, a little too turned up, if you will. Uh, and, and he had to come in and say like, okay, I'm glad you guys are celebrating this, but do it properly. Okay, don't, don't, ha don't have a bad witness towards people. When I was growing up, like I went to a lot of different churches. I tell people I was a church mutt growing up. I went to lots of different flavors of church. And I will say some of the churches that I went to were not always the most engaging churches, to say it nicely. And, and, and so a lot of times, like they didn't have great children's ministry. They didn't have all that stuff like we have here. I mean, I'm so thankful. How many of you guys are thankful for our church, children's church and children's ministry and all that kind of stuff right now? If you're not thankful, then what I'll do is I'll just go tell them, bring them all in here right now and, and tell them to find their parents. And I think then you'll be thankful. But, uh, but I would always get excited when I find out we we're taking communion. Like for me growing up and, and being, I'm like, Man, church with a snack in the middle of service. I like this. This is cool. Like, even though it was just a little thing, grape juice, a little piece of bread, I was like, I'll get into a little snack time. That's what I'm talking about. This one church we went to, though, they would actually bake these full loaves of bread and pass them around on a platter for communion. Well, that was a mistake. Because I'll tell you, when that platter came in front of me, all of a sudden I got super spiritual. I was like, man, I want all the Jesus I can get. Like, I, I, if this represents Jesus' body in his flesh, then I'm going to be the most holy person in this place. And I would just grab this huge chunk off of there. Eventually, I was just like, I'm just bring a little garlic butter, you know, a little olive oil, a little, little dipping tray over here. I'm going to have myself a little Italian snack over here. But I would just, I would enjoy it. My point is this, really has nothing to do with the elements, but it has everything to do with you finding the joy of your salvation again. 
Like when you have communion, it should bring you back to the place of so much thankfulness for what Jesus did for you. Just the fact that because of what he did, you don't just have the hope of heaven, you get to see his kingdom come now as it is in heaven, here in your life as it is in heaven. A peace that transcends understanding, a joy unspeakable, his mercies new every morning. Some of y'all have lost the joy of your salvation. Maybe it's because of everything that we've gone through this last year, but some of y'all, y'all gotten cranky, straight up just crusty Christians. And you need to find the joy of your salvation. David said that. He made a huge mistake. He got in a season where he got off track. He quit being the king that God had called him to be. He wasn't where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he fell into sin and he made a huge mistake and he committed adultery and he committed murder to cover it up. But he was busted from the beginning. And when God confronted him through Nathan and he knew he was busted, he wrote that psalm. When he ended it, he said, I realize that I have lost the joy of my salvation. Return to me the joy of my salvation. So maybe some of you, you just gotten off track this last year. I want you to know we don't serve a God of condemnation, shame, and guilt. But he has called us to walk out repentance. And so the good news is this. The good news is you can repent right now and have a completely fresh start. <laughs> and he will throw whatever this last year has looked like for you as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't even remember it. He cancels his own memory regarding your sin when you walk out repentance. Isn't that cool? <laughs> How the creator of the universe can erase his own hard drive. In fact, if you brought it before him, he wouldn't even know what you were talking about. I love that. But he wants you to have joy and joy unspeakable. In Hebrews 12, one through three, it says, let us throw off everything. Because of this, because of this salvation, because of this cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy, everybody say joy. For the joy set before him, what? He endured the cross. What? How in the world could he, knowing what the cross was going to mean to him, not just the physical side, you know, that wasn't the thing that hurt Jesus the most. It was his heavenly father turning away from him because of my sin. That's what hurt Jesus the most. But it says, with joy. Why? Because he knew it would buy my joy. And the fact is this, he would have done it if it was just for me. He would have done it if it was just for you, which brings me to the last point. When we 
eat of communion, when we remember the Lord's Supper, Lord Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. But the truth is, it should invoke memories of us. See, I can't help but remember Jesus and simultaneously remember what he saved me from. I can't separate the two. Every person in this room has a different story and hopefully that story has become a testimony because of Jesus. But every testimony is a little bit different and some of you, you're much more colorful than others. I'm so thankful for that. My testimony isn't necessarily the most vivid, colorful. It wasn't like, I could give lots of examples, but I got saved when I was seven years old. The craziest thing about it was at a Christian rock and roll concert, which is kind of crazy, you know? Back in 1987, that was pretty edgy back then. But I know this, throughout the course of my relationship with Jesus, there have been valleys. There's been mountaintops. There's been plenty of mistakes. There's been struggles. There's been things, there's been times when I'm just bawling my eyes out for what seems like the 10,000th time about something that I was dealing with, something I was struggling with, and just, but I'll tell you what, when I sing the name of Jesus, when I sing of his goodness, when I take communion, it always brings me back to the foot of the cross, every time. And, and when I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, I, I, I just have this vivid image in my brain of Jesus looking down from the cross at me and saying, if just for you, if just for you, I would have done this. And that is the truth for every single person in this room. If just for you, if just for you. And so when we take communion, I think it's really important that we remember that. And I think honestly, it's really out of the overflow of that comes thankfulness, comes the joy comes the realization that God doesn't want us just to have this for ourselves, but for others. The realization that, that because of that great love and that great grace, that I want him to be in control of everything. He deserves lordship. And then some. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. One of the things about taking communion the word says not to take it in an unworthy fashion. I don't think there's anything about that that means you've gotta be perfect before you take communion. I don't think there's anything about that that suggests that you've gotta have everything together. I think what it is suggesting is don't be fake. Don't be fake. I think what God is asking is he's asking for people to be genuine and authentic, not perfect not having it all together, but when he says, don't take it in an unworthy fashion, it just means don't take this as a religious act. Don't take this to check off a box. Don't take this because everyone else is taking. Don't take it because it's what you've always done. When you take it, it's you coming to a place of authenticity, of rawness, of realness, 
before the creator of the universe and just saying, no, I'm not perfect. That's why I need the nearness of your presence. That's why I need Jesus. And so when I take communion, it's me coming back to that place of the realization that without him, I'm nothing. But I wanna give an opportunity because I think there may be some of you right now in this room. The truth is, you don't have a real and authentic relationship with God. You, you haven't been real, you haven't been honest. There's some things that you continue to hide and hold on to. And the truth is you can't hide anything from God. He already knows and he knows your heart, but you've never confessed it. Some of you, you've had bitterness and resentment in your heart towards someone and you've justified all the reasons why you deserve to hold on to that. But in reality, you can't experience the grace and the love and forgiveness that Jesus has for you until you've accepted or until you've given other people that same grace and that same forgiveness. You see, when Jesus has forgiven you and you cut off that forgiveness towards someone else, it cuts off the grace that Jesus wants to have for you. I don't know what it is that's keeping you from being honest and real and authentic, but I know that there's some of you in this room, it's because you've never surrendered to him. You've never made him your Lord and Savior. And I wanna give you a chance to do that today. So with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, and I, I'm not gonna try to embarrass you, but I wanna ask you to be bold. Between me, you, and God, I'm just gonna ask you to admit I need a savior. I'm away from God. I need to rededicate my life to him. There was a time when I felt his presence, but it's been a long time. I need to come back to him. If you're one of those people this morning, I want you to just put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Yes, bro. Got it. Over here to my left. Got you there to my side. Thank you, guys. Look, you raising your hands, not what gets you saved. But I find in my own life when I do a, a physical act of my free will, something that's uncomfortable, something that's even potentially embarrassing. But when I do that, gotcha. God honors that. And I think it just helps release faith in you to receive everything that he has for you. Is there anyone else? I'm just away from him. Yes, ma'am, got it. Got you, bro. I got you. Christians, you're praying. Because you realize what this means for them. Is there anyone else? Okay. So everybody that just raised your hand, we're just gonna be honest. We're gonna be real before God. You don't have to pray exactly like this. You don't have to pray out loud. Maybe loud enough for your own ears to hear it. I would encourage you to go public with this decision. In just a couple of weeks, we'll have an opportunity to do that through water baptism. I tell you, I'd encourage you to tell somebody as soon as this service is over, be bold about your faith in Jesus. But let's just talk to him right now and just say this, say, God, here's my life. Man, is it messed up. I've made so many mistakes, more than I can count. And I know that I need forgiveness. I know that without the perfect lamb, without Jesus, 
I'd be separated from you. And so right now, I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. And I thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for that. But I also thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin. And that's where the joy comes because my sin, past, present, and future is paid for. So I could walk in freedom and liberty. But I thank you that you not, didn't just defeat my sin, you defeated death itself, which means I can walk in confidence and boldness knowing who you've called me to be. But God, I know I can't fulfill my purpose if you're not in charge. And so right now I surrender to you as my Lord. I want you to have control. I want you to call the shots. I want your word to be my standard and to be my guide. I want your spirit to lead me and to open and close doors to be my yes and to be my no. I wanna not just have what I have now, but I want other people to have it too. God, I realize the realness and the seriousness of heaven and hell and eternity. And God, I thank you that now I have the hope of heaven. But God, I know you didn't do that just for me so I could have it and then arrive safely at death. You gave that to me so that other people can have it too. So Lord, reveal my purpose. Show me, show me how you'd want me to use this salvation that I now have. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for every person that just made that decision. Help us as a church to come alongside of them. Help them become the fully devoted followers of Christ that you've created them to be. We thank you for your grace to do that. Lord, as we get ready to take communion this morning, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, search our hearts. Lord, if it's just coming before you and just being real and authentic and realizing, man, it's just been way too long since we've had a conversation, let it be that. It's, if it's forgiveness that needs to be given and spoken, God, let it be that. If it's an unconfessed sin or secret sin, Lord, let us be able to lean over to someone that we love and that loves us and that we can trust. And let's confess it even now. But Lord, we just prepare our hearts as we worship you. We're so thankful, Lord, for this, for this physical representation of this infinite God with this infinite love and grace. We worship you now in spirit and truth, in Jesus' name.